0: Welcome to the Film Hole Podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker.
1: And I am a scientist.
0: The script says butthole. I Every see that. <laughs> Every week we watch a movie.
1: And then we get together and we talk about it.
0: And this week we watched Con Air. What's your biggest takeaway from? me? Good, but like I think they could have like cut it like 30 minutes shorter. Dude, I had such a good time. I remember being really blown away when I was a kid.
1: It's just a thrill ride, right?
0: I don't know if I can take another, another one of these types of movies. That's like all I need for the rest of my life.
1: Is Nicolas Cage's character like a hard ass Forrest Gump? They pair him with like, th- almost like this Bubba Gump sort of dude. Like he kind of looks like him. Dude, is it the same actor? It's it the same fucking be. actor. <laughs> It was probably like a package deal. People love an Alabama war hero.
0: The accent is so fucking funny. There's nothing I'd rather do than.
1: He fights the guy underneath the plane, kills the man, and he's like, why can not you put the money back in the box? You know, it's like,
0: what? <laughs> I want to be on set, like, as they were doing, <laughs> as they were. <laughs> as they were doing some of these takes and mm-hmm. if when things cut they were like all right yeah good take good take nick or if they're like what the fuck is he doing yeah so con Air. was that your first time seeing connor
1: i i think i this is the kind of movie that you see bits and pieces of mm-hmm. um over the course of like a decade in your childhood
0: it- In my case, this is a movie that you see in its entirety uncensored many times in a couple years of your young life.
1: (laughs) That's right. You were telling me that this is a big movie for your family, that they're big fans of uh, of this Uh,
0: film? People love Con Air and movies like Con Air in my household. A lot of themes people really enjoy (laughs) in this movie in my house. Now, was
1: this something that they play on TV or that they, you know, went out of their way to kind of consume?
0: I would imagine out of their way. I feel like if this was on TV, it's heavily censored. It's got like a lot of a lot of cuss words in it. That is true. This kind of falls in that category of movie where it doesn't have enough like nudity or gore to abstain it from TV, but like the amount of profanity is just a enough to get it like on FX and have bad dubs over the cuss words.
1: Oh really? Maybe we should have watched the, uh, the dub versions cause those can be pretty fun.
0: I think that's a hilarious, uh, what would you call that way or category to watch certain movies? Yeah.
1: I don't know what to just call s- it, but like the, the departed <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah. Classic example of that.
0: But just how like funny, like the words that are slotted in, in lieu of actual curse words Uh uh-huh that's that has entertainment value all by itself
1: so you're uh you know in the biz um for those folks out there i am referring to the entertainment industry
0: kind of yeah
1: when they put those dubs in often it sounds like the voice of the actor so do they have the actors record their own lines that they overdub in like when they replace a hard f for a freak or something like that
0: I'm not in the biz enough to know the real universal answer to that question but I don't know I feel like it's not it's not out of the question that it probably happens with certain films and not with others Mm -hmm. I think some, and it's probably something that really doesn't happen a whole lot anymore at all like I don't know maybe I'm way off on that but it just seems like any films now that have profanity, like they're going to be on a streaming service where you can enforce like actual ratings. Like you can watch R-rated movies on Netflix, no problem. As opposed to having to censor it for like cable TV. Like cable TV still exists and you can watch movies on there. But I imagine that the market for like censored dubbed movies is a lot smaller than it was even just like four or five years ago.
1: That's interesting. I had never really thought about that. About how only like ten or fifteen years ago, the only way to watch movies were movie theaters, uh, movies on television networks on TV, or Mm -hmm. uh, you know, renting going to Blockbuster. Yeah, but streaming has completely you know they we talk a lot about how streaming uh, negatively impacts like the economy of theaters. Sure, yeah, but nobody's out there decrying the death of the uh, cheesily overdubbed network movie
0: yeah I don't think anybody misses that really Mm -hmm. really takes me out of it I would have to be watching it for like comedic reasons like I I definitely prefer that to not be in the movie (laughs) (laughs) those dubbed things so what's uh what's con air all about (sighs) Raul
1: I mean how do you even start tackling a movie of this this depth it's very complex (laughs)
0: Groundbreaking screenwriting and just themes overall.
1: Multi layered, multi themes. Multi themes. (laughs) Multi themed. Yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, um, I guess I would start out by just saying that Con Air is a 90s action thriller starring Nicolas Cage. It moves very Mm -hmm. quickly. You know, Nicolas Cage is a protagonist, he's a badass former military member who gets sent to prison for you know charges that were a little bit out of his control you know accidentally killed mm-hmm. somebody at a bar
0: right happens i like how <laughs> i like how there's a scene later on in um like the third act where john cusack who plays this he's not a u.s marshal he's like a like a department of corrections official or something yeah but he he's talking about nicholas cage's like case and how they can probably trust him and they're like think about it he's a he's a decorated army veteran he the reason he's in prison is because he got into a brawl at a bar and he killed a guy could happen to any one of us (laughs) just like endorses how like commonplace that is like of course like we've all been to a bar and almost killed a guy (laughs) because because we know martial arts and we can kill people with our hands
1: the 90s were a different time
0: yeah everybody everybody was getting in like near-death bar brawls
1: do you want to comment briefly like, on the actual fight scene itself and the death punch move that he did? Uh, so gruesome.
0: When Grace and I were watching it, she was like, what? That guy's dead? That can kill you? And I'm like, yeah, the bone that's in your nose will go right into your brain.
1: Is that the thing? Because it, it looked like this martial arts inspired, he just like drove the palm of his hand um, yeah. through his nose and kind of an upward...
0: Angle listen listen this is like some actual karate knowledge that i have this is called a palm heel strike this is something they teach you in, in taekwondo is this real you yeah this is real i'm glad uh, i'm
1: separated by you by like three state lines
0: <laughs> wow is it just is it just three i don't know how big the us is anyways you uh bring your hand up at a 90 degree angle to your form and you curl your fingers up into like a little kind of mini Tarzan Tarzan fist. Uh-huh. And then you use the base of your palm to send a, a person's nose nose bone at a 45 degree angle up into their brain and that kills them. And this That's is what Nicolas recent. Cage does to another dude in the first like fucking five minutes of this movie. This
1: movie goes by fast.
0: Do you think he was actually trying to kill them then? I don't know. I mean, it's like, I, I think the movie approaches it from the standpoint of how he's just a soldier he's just like reacting mm. he's just fighting because he's such a deadly machine that it's just like some sub- it's just reaction at that point
1: the courtroom scene where like the judge is like this is all like in the first three minutes Moves very very it's crazy
0: how fast this exposition
1: moves and the, the judge is minutes. like reading him his sentence is like you are a like killing machine from the u.s army and like you know what you're doing
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so you should know better just like openly admits it, that this man is a killing machine, which I thought was so funny.
0: He, the way he, the judge speaks, is very uh, machine-like to me. He's mm-hmm. like the regular laws do not apply to you because <laughs> you have high training <laughs> or something I, like I, that. I, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, like regular <laughs> laws and standards do not apply to you. Yeah. Because you are a killing machine.
0: Yeah. To the credit of the movie, I guess, or dis, discredit of the movie, the judge was kind of a bad actor. So it came off really weird. (laughs) (laughs) So we should back up and say really quick, Nicolas Cage, the whole movie is about Nicolas Cage being in prison. He is in transit and on a prisoner plane and the plane gets taken over by prisoners, spoiler alert. But the way he goes to prison is he is an army ranger, which I knew from also being in my household. For some reason, I, I knew all of like the elite Like military branch people, like I knew what each of them were for all of the different branches. So like, Uh if you're in the Navy, like you're the baddest ass. If you're a SEAL, if you're in the Army, it's an Army Ranger, and so on and so forth. Those are the only two I can remember. But he's it's a big deal because he's an Army Ranger. Came home right after deployment. It's like the same fucking day that he gets home from deployment. He's seeing his pregnant wife. Trisha Poe uh, and they go out for a drink together and this very cartoonish like bully starts picking on him. Why is he so mean? Unexplained. He's jealous I guess. Jealous because he wants to be with Trisha Poe. Uh Um, Real small town bullshit but even then like pretty unbelievable.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like archetypes all the way around. It's like Nicolas Cage is like a flawless military guy the bully is, like, a real loser, like, bar bully. Yeah. And Trisha Poe is this, like, perfect, like, blonde. So it, all, of, all very unbelievable characters for different reasons. One of my favorite things, though... So, so he gets in a fight with these guys, and he accidentally kills one of them, and that's how he goes to prison. One of my favorite lines in the first few minutes is when that bully starts picking on Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and... He like start, he pulls some money out and starts throwing money at him. And he's like, how about you go buy me a drink soldier, Dick, <laughs> or something. <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know, like soldier, Dick, just like sounds so funny to me every time <laughs> soldier, Dick, probably think... cause you don't, you don't hear the word Dick preceded by soldier all that often. Nope.
1: I think that character was just meant to like infuriate the audience as much as possible. Like mm. the super rude guy, like berating uh, an army veteran. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The movie does this a couple times, actually. Uh, I think uh, the screenwriters had the difficult task of villainizing a couple characters as quickly as possible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> including someone who's technically a good guy. Uh, John Cusack's character. No, 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 no! I'm not. you are not villainizing John Cusack. It's the other dude as as kicker guy
1: oh sure sure but that was to set up like the um maybe we should get a little bit farther along in the synopsis i mean so let's let's take off from nicholas cage in jail okay we are now um one minute and 12 seconds into the movie (laughs) (laughs) within this uh opening sequence we also go through the entirety of nicholas cage's stay at the prison and yes it ends with him serving his eight years and he's ready to get released but for some reason his release involves transportation on board of a kind of specialized military plane vehicle that's especially Mm -hmm. made for transporting convicts one place to another
0: yeah i wonder i'm sure something like this has to exist right i don't know but it is a pretty bizarre looking aircraft it's all what you would imagine a, a plane for prisoners looks like there's some cages There's like all the seats have things for handcuffs to be attached to. So everybody's kind of locked in place, really uncomfortable looking aircraft. But I've, in my normal civilian life, have never seen anything that looks like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks really like a military vehicle, almost like a military airplane. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like a domestic
0: airline. Something that I never really noticed in my previous viewings of this movie, and I just noticed it when we were watching it the other night, is it only opens in the back like there's no side doors oh really? there's just a ramp like on the back of the plane like a military plane yeah yeah
1: okay and then from here i think you can probably take it from here because i'm a little bit confused about like the whole setup of who the bad guys are that are on the plane
0: yeah so i'm not really sure where everybody's going on this plane but it's like a lot of really bad people on this on this one plane going to some other place seems like kind of a dumb move on the the Department of Corrections side because they seems to they seem to have very strategically placed all of these very very dangerous criminals on like one plane uh-huh. who are I'm assuming prone to escape attempts yeah and they're like let's just put all these guys together and completely outnumber our guard force the worst and of the ho- worst
1: and, and Nicolas yeah. Cage for some reason.
0: Right, right, right. And so there's the sequence where they're like, all right, all the prisoners are coming to get on the plane. They come in on this bus, and as people get off the bus and onto the plane, John Cus- Cusack is doing voiceover explaining to a couple U.S. Marshals and us, but explaining to them who each character is getting off the bus, what their crimes are, why they're in prison, how long they're serving, to give you, the audience, the sense of like who you need to watch out for. So, one of which is John Malkovich uh, who plays the main villain Cyrus the Virus. Mm-hmm. I forget the other actor's name, but the guy who plays Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction, oh, Ving Rames. <laughs> what a name. Ving uh, Ving Rames. He's like the only that. one
1: whose picture doesn't pop up on Wikipedia when you hover. His name's Irving. Irving, but it's just put it just says Ving.
0: Ving. That makes sense,
1: but yeah, I mean, just a whole motley crew of characters with a lot of like big name '90s actors at the time, including John Malkovich, um, Steve Buscemi. But I guess we don't we're not introduced to him until later. Uh, mm-hmm. Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction, uh, Danny Trejo.
0: Danny Trejo, yeah,
1: yeah, he's really good in this one.
0: And then um, uh, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, yeah. This I want to I want to talk about this really quick before we get going. <laughs> the casting in this movie alone is ridiculous. Like you have a mixture of I don't know how serious this movie like takes itself, but the fact that they're casting a known comedian, Dave Chappelle, like as a pseudo serious character. I mean, it's like a this is a serious quote unquote movie you're like let's put a comedian in one of these roles. So that's uh, Exhibit A. And then we have uh, John Malkovich, which maybe the perception of John Malkovich was a little different in the 90s, but it's like is John Malkovich. Yeah. He's playing John John Malkovich as Cyrus the Virus. Yeah. <laughs> Watching him in anything is is ridiculous. And it just there's a special sauce that comes with being John Malkovich and it seems to be a little out of place <laughs> in like a super villain. And then we have Steve Buscemi, of all people, as like a Hannibal Lecter kind of surrogate. And it's like, what is, oh, and we have Nicolas Cage, obviously, as as the main badass character. Mm -hmm. So what's what's going on here? Who is like, we need to get all these characters that do not fit into your typical action movie and put them all together. (laughs) Do casting directors
1: get Oscars? Because whoever put this together, either deserves an Oscar or jail time
0: yeah Yeah, I would agree I would give him an Oscar Mm I enjoy I enjoy what the casting does for this movie
1: (laughs) absolutely no I'm not complaining at all it's it's a fair to say it was probably a Hollywood blockbuster at the time an excuse to put as many big names in together totally shake it up and see what happens agreed yeah I'm gonna double check how much time the opening sequence took yeah, the whole opening panic. sequence was like five minutes.
0: Five minutes. So the main portion of this movie takes place right after they take off on this airplane mm-hmm. and all of the uh all of the complications that ensue after that.
1: So as far as synopsis mm-hmm. goes, I think we're our job is basically done after saying that the convicts take over the plane. And a and right. as an escape attempt that they've orchestrated, right? And then we don't have to sit through every single <laughs> action point that happens after that,
0: right? It's just a it's just a regular '90s action movie yeah. beyond that point. Bad guys on the run, good guys chasing them, and right. Nicholas Cage is there to save the fucking day, right? Right, which is literally a line in the movie.
1: Yeah, no, I was gonna pull that up later as like one of my favorite scenes where he okay. like literally says i'm here to save the day
0: the fucking day <laughs> like who says that i'm gonna save the fucking day
1: i think that nicholas cage might have like mixed up the script that he's supposed to be reading off of like versus some other uh like summary sheet of what his character was supposed to be
0: i think that that is that movie's attempt at being self-aware yeah. Where it's like, uh, you know what the craziest thing, like the dumbest thing that he could say right now is like, I'm gonna save the day. You throw like a an F bomb in there and make it seem like Nicolas Cage is being kind of self deprecating or something, or just aware of how ridiculous saying something like that is. Uh-huh. I feel like the screen the screenwriter who wrote that, or maybe it was Nicolas Cage who improvised it. Whoever did that thought it was like a really legit choice.
1: I'd love to think that that was like a first take that they were going through. And Nicolas Cage was like, and then I'll say something like, and then I'll save the whole day. Or something like that. You know, not that, but something like that. Uh-huh. But then they just went with it.
0: But then he says exactly that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, that's actually really good. We're going to keep that in there. And even Nicolas Cage is like, are you sure?
1: Even Nicolas Cage is like more <laughs> self-aware than to think that's a good idea. It's like, uh-huh. don't you think that's a little bit on the nose? Mm -hmm. would my character really say that
0: it's interesting seeing uh this uh body style Nicolas cage because i just watched adaptation what is that adaptation yeah another great movie let's see here adaptation is uh nicholas cage is charlie kaufman who is a real screenwriter a confused la screenwriter overwhelmed by feelings of inadequacy sexual frustration self-loathing And by screenwriting ambitions of his freeloading twin brother, who is also played by Nicolas Cage, while struggling to adapt The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, who's an author played by Meryl Streep. That sounds great. When did that come out? 2002, directed by Spike Jones. I would highly recommend that movie. But in that movie, he plays kind of, you know, an unhealthy, overweight, balding screenwriter. But in this, he's all mus in Conair. He's all muscle bound and oiled up, and has this long, weird, like Alabama hair. He looks crazy. <laughs> I don't really know what the what the the decision was to have him have long hair. Like, I get that your hair grows in prison.
1: No, they have just-
0: they, they have people
1: to cut your hair in prison. I'm sure.
0: Right. So. So- I understand like how it's possible but the justification for why he has long hair is a little unclear to me
1: yeah I was just watching a, a scene where he's like in the cargo part of the plane and he's like walking sideways with his head down and it's just uh-huh. like hanging and he it just looks ridiculous
0: <laughs> and it's like I say this as someone who like has long hair and has kind of a similar balding pattern as Nicolas Cage Mm. That, like, you it's difficult Cage. It dif- it's difficult to pull off, like, that whole hot, receding hairline, long hair look. And the fact that Nicolas Cage is supposed to be this muscle-bound, I would say, like, kind of sexy hero, it's just a little weird that he looks like that.
1: It is a little weird. Uh, you know, having it in front of me playing now, um, outside of the context of watching the movie and getting introduced in- to this character from this very flattering light, you know ex navy Mm -hmm. veteran very well-mannered person loves his wife you know all the good things yeah i mean just looking at these shots of the movies out of context he looks like a like a crazy crackhead
0: yeah (laughs) crazy crackhead is a great way of putting it
1: no but the arms look good the arms look good
0: yeah so i don't know like how much body change he went through for adaptation but he looks so different in this than he does in that
1: i'm gonna look it up oh you're right yeah it looks very
0: different mm-hmm. but i don't know if there's some sort of special effects in that other movie going on
1: yeah hollywood chameleon here okay i think that basically wraps it up for the synopsis i mean <laughs> they're 80 of this movie is on this airplane that they hijack they're trying to get to some other country um some latin american country columbia or something C-
0: columbia yeah
1: um and Nicolas Cage is trying to stop them. He's trying to get out of here. Because as he says so many times in the movie, it's my daughter's birthday today. I just got out of jail today. I haven't seen my daughter in eight years. It's her birthday uh-huh. today.
0: That's a great Alabamian accent.
1: I'm better than Nicolas Cage's.
0: <laughs> Ooh, shots fired.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Come at me.
0: Oh, this is a this scene right here. That's in front of me right now is pretty funny. What do you got? Um, this, this is the the moment where uh, they've already taken over the plane, but there's uh, a cutaway, kind of parallel editing in what is Cyrus the Virus's cell in California,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're like looking at, looking for contraband, you know, normal prison stuff, I guess, and like they discover there's a false brick in the wall, and the way they discover that is because there's powder on the floor. And whatever the powder is, is what this false brick is made out of.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) The guard is like, sees the powder and he's like, what's this? Kind of looks like cocaine. (laughs) There's plenty of like white powder substances out there that look like what he's touching that immediately jumps to cocaine. I'd like to
1: think um, like how dumb that character felt, like in the world of the cinema of the movie, how dumb he felt after immediately discovering that it wasn't cocaine. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine his internal dialogue. I'm like, oh, why did I jump to that so quickly? <laughs> of idiot, I look like an idiot right now in front of my friends.
0: Yeah, in front of my other guard friends. Yeah. And then from there, they find a bomb, and uh, the bomb blows up, and they just why? Just why is that Boobie, bomb there? Booby trap. Was that necessary for
1: the escape attempt? No, no, it was not. I they, don't know. You're already on the plane.
0: The lunchbox even says like, "Do not open." <laughs> What are you doing, man? Just leave it be. I guess it, that whole that whole plot device is there just for like suspense. Like, oh, and then he blew him up.
1: This movie is just sequence after sequence of like cool action scenes that they were able to set up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to make a whole lot of sense.
0: Uh, this has like a, a pretty healthy amount of explosions in it for like a 90s action movie.
1: Yeah? Like above average yeah. for the genre. Uh,
0: I don't know. I would guess I would need to watch more of these to have a better sense of that, but you know, I always feel like there's at least like one kind of cool walking away from explosion in these types of dumb movies. Uh huh. But there seems to be a lot in this. We had a few, like yeah. like more than three. Every major character had to have one. Yeah. Uh. In the scene where Cyrus burns that guy alive with a cigarette over the gas pumps. Uh huh. <laughs> During that scene, you know, Nicholas Cage is in the building, like in the gas station building part. And Cyrus throws the cigarette on the gas and he's like running through and jumping out of the back window. And like when that happened, like the explosion is like right there. Right. It's like this pretty small building and Nicholas Cage is just like jumping out a window. And what's like the maximum distance that like a, a human can like jump like laterally? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like a, f- a few feet. Right, right. <laughs> and somehow he does that through a window and beats the explosion, like, outside. I don't know if the implication there is that, like, was he propelled by the explosion? I don't know. I don't know. It's We'll need to get an army ranger on here. Yeah. Ask him Ask him how they do it.
1: But I love that in these action movies, um, to survive an explosion, you have to do nothing else but outrun the flames from the explosion so like yeah that shot as he's jumping out of the building like the flames are like all but encompassing him but he's just right at the border so he's fine yeah
0: i think you bring up an interesting point about the physics of action movies i think that like shock waves aren't really a thing no no in movie explosions it's strictly like if you're in the sphere of the flames like you're being immediately incinerated right right But there's no propulsive force Mm -hmm. in explosions, right? In '90s action movies, you should write a paper about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can spend the rest of the hour getting into the (laughs) want to. What did you think of the movie overall? What are your hot takes?
0: My hot takes are (sighs) okay. So, I need I need to start with this is like a movie that I've seen like many many times in my young adulthood and teenager years. Um, It was kind of a phenomenon in high school with me and a group of friends. Mm -hmm. So I have this kind of weird symbiotic relationship with it. So I really like it. It's just like a a flavor that I'm really used to. Uh, I really forgot because I think that my tastes in movies, you know, have matured and changed over time. And I think it's funny watching this and feeling like the same nostalgia that I did and then realizing just how ridiculous Like, the movies I used to watch were. Uh And, like, at the time, you know, I'm watching them as, like, this is what movies are. Like, this is serious cinema. Yeah. And it's just so fucking stupid.
1: I really empathize with that point of view. It's so many movies were, like, were like that back in the day that you just take that to be very normal. I I guess movies used to be a lot less realistic or followed a lot less. um, And I'm using the word realistic, like, in the sense of
0: realism sure in movies i don't know if i don't know if it's so much about like movies used to be less realistic more than just like us with our child brains like what we accepted as realistic Mm -hmm. you know because there's like you know even in the 90s you know there's good like realism cinema and there's like very stupid unrealistic cinema now and i think it's just like our self awareness changes.
1: Well it's just it's kind of like a a hypothesis. I'm thinking like even farther back to think like the sixties and fifties, maybe seventies. Like sure people in movies just acted differently. It they they were never striving to act like real people. Yes. They they had like Mm -hmm. a style
0: that like That is true to a degree, yeah. You
1: watch it and you're like, oh that's movie acting.
0: There's probably some like better scientific uh, theory and uh, paper about this out there somewhere. I'm sure there's actually tons of information about this, but yeah, you're totally right. It seems like my my guess would be that because of early sim- cinema's like proximity to theater uh-huh. kind of being like the main form of entertainment yeah. that was like that, that in theater, like that requires a certainly a different style of acting because you're having to kind of exaggerate everything, like you're projecting to an audience. And I think the history of that goes as far back as like, you know, you're, you're literally like using crazier expressions, using your voice in a much more projecting way so that everyone in the crowd can see what you're doing. Right. You have to be larger than life on the stage. That makes a lot of sense. And I think when movies came along, you know, the natural people that you would see in movies were also stage actors Uh, So I would imagine that just the school of acting like took a long time to evolve to be a lot more subtle in film because they realized that film had that capability to show subtleties of acting.
1: Right. And and we talked a little bit about, um, you know, last time we were talking about the master, we were talking about walking Phoenix's mumble acting. And I feel like Mm -hmm. mumble mumble movies, mumble actors in mumble movies are a consequence of people trying to go all the way towards realism. Yeah. Have you ever seen Manchester by the sea before? I I highly recommend that movie. Casey Affleck, another great mumble actor,
0: you know, go pets, (laughs) broken donuts.
1: (laughs) I love that. Uh. But they have like great scenes in that movie that you just imagine that that is exactly how things would happen in real life like telephone sequences like where they kind of talk over each other a little bit or like mishear each other uh-huh. because of the way phone calls work and, and we've all had these experiences of phone calls kind of stunt conversation just because there's a the natural time lag you don't get the yeah. uh body language response from other people uh which is all just to say let, let's get back to the movie at hand um like that at this point in the 90s um obviously people didn't act in this like over dramatic way from older movies i'm thinking like nine twelve angry men where it was very theatrical
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at
1: the time of watching movies like con air um i could almost half believe that they are realistic depictions of how people act in real life and i think this getting back to like more your point but now in retrospect seeing these kind of things <laughs> They, they seem ridiculous, like the way they act, like the lines that they give. I'm like, nobody says that. Give me an example. Nobody says, I'm going to save the day unless they are a character in an action movie.
0: Right. Right. Even ironically, which is what he's doing in that scene. You think he's doing it ironically, the character? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's doing it ironically.
1: I don't think he has it in him. He's too straight edge.
0: <laughs> nah, I think... I think that's uh, their idea of being clever the people who wrote that i love to your point about him being so straight edge though i love the way that comes across in this movie like there are several sequences where you know nicholas cage is you know he's having to pretend to be a bad guy in this movie to stay amongst the prisoners to be trusted by the prisoners yeah and that manifests in pretty funny ways because the movie portrays him in such a way that he's so straight edge, such a good guy that it's very difficult for him to like act all bad right. in those situations. So there's like several parts where I'll just talk about one of them where they're going to execute some guards like outside the plane. I
1: know you were going to go to this and, part. I'm trying to find it right yeah. now.
0: <laughs> but it, one of the prisoners is like, all right, we're going to off these guards and Nicholas cage has to su- find a way to Prevent them from doing that, but also not give himself away as someone who's sympathetic to these people. So that's like a fine line to walk. And he's forced into this very awkward situation where he's like, Oh man, like, no no no, I would I would love to kill these guys for sure. It's just <laughs> it's like almost like sitcom level dialogue. No no no, I would no, I definitely want to kill these guys. No no, no trust me.
1: Do you wanna watch <laughs> like, it okay, again? Oh, sure. So go to timestamp, one hour, nine minutes, and 10 seconds.
0: Oh, no. What the hell you think you're doing? It's time to off the pigs. Time to off the pigs. Tell me why. They're hostages. We need them. So why the fuck you care? Hey, man. Hey, man. Come on. I can't I think can't of think... a thing. I'd like better uh, than to put a bullet. <laughs> That's the part of that I'm talking He's right like, hey, man, like, I would like nothing better, and they i really think it's funny when his like accent just like comes out of nowhere (laughs) like i really feel like the you forget that he's from alabama in this movie until like certain words are said better i would like nothing better to put a bullet and as he's like enunciating each of these words he's like kicking the guards down on the ground they're already on their knees then to put a bullet And one of the heads of these pigs or or something like that. Uh And it just comes across like you as a normal person. If you saw that, you would be like, this guy is totally a good guy. Like he's, he's lying so bad right now. I don't trust this guy at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's so contrived. Like the way he just goes from like, I got to like save these people mode to just like,
0: Hey man, you know, I wouldn't want anything more than to put a bullet
1: in these pigs' heads.
0: It's just like, how do you not know that there's something up with Nicolas Cage? does not act like a criminal.
1: I mean, let's just take a step back. The, the plans of the of the criminals that orchestrated this heist of the airplane, which it was just a few, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Maybe three people on the plane were behind this plot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But their expectation of everybody else on the plane was that they would just go along with their plans, which I feel is not a given. Like, they assumed when they overpowered the guards that all of the other convicts would automatically be on their side and be cool with the whole plan. Yeah. Very assuming on their part. Right. It kind of goes, there's this kind of mindset about criminals and cops that is kind of outdated now. But just like the idea Mm -hmm. that like there's two sides, it's like law and chaos, cops and cops and robbers. And that all of these uh-huh. people are on the same camp, all of the policemen, and all of the convicts yeah. and all the bad people are on the same side, and they're fighting a war. Mm. But like in Duality reality, of man. Yeah, but in reality, like none of the convicts are necessarily like buddies with one another just because they're all convicts. They're also all fighting one another and have motives and incentives that may or may not align.
0: Yes. Man, that's very deep. Yeah. Criminal Real. justice system. That's like something John Cusack's character would say in this in this movie. <laughs> oh my god! Because he's he's like a, he's like I that character is actually like more complex than I remember him being. Like when I watched this movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. As a quick summary of of John Cusack's character, he works for the, Depar- the Department of Corrections. He's some kind of sociologist or like cr- criminologist whatever that person is Uh like seems to uh spend a lot of time studying the sociology like of prisoners or like the prisoners that are in his facilities he has all these metaphors that he busts out like in the or i don't know if metaphor is the right word these arguments that he busts out that are deeply based in like sociology when he's like arguing with like the dumb u.s marshal yeah yeah when because the u.s marshal is talking about like these guys are animals how did we let a plane get taken over by a bunch of like crooks and thugs, like just thinks less of them. Mm-hmm. And John Cusack is like the nature of society is made up or is like a reflection of its prisoners or something like really deep like that. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It was- and it's just, he he does that a couple times and I'm like, that seems like that character is more out of place in this movie than I remember. Uh-huh. Like he has some like real world, like good things to say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's nice that they also have this perspective, too, because a lot of the movies from this time period, um, w- which I told you while we were watching the movie, there are so many movies that are about crime and, and the other other belly of society and criminals and violence. Um, and because if I understand correctly, the, the 80s and 90s were a time period of like really high crime rates. Yeah. And so in the sense that uh, the movies that come out in a certain generation are a reflection of the stuff that is happening during that generation there's there were a lot of movies about the criminal organizations and criminal underworlds and and kind of like dystopian movies like Escape from New York.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? No, but I am aware of what you're talking about.
1: Are you aware of like the, the basic plot device of that one?
0: It's like uh, New York is like a prisoner now. It's like an island prison. Right. Right.
1: They're like, the crime in New York got so bad, so out of control, that the only option we had was to completely wall off New York, and everybody that was there can't leave. It's now a prison. So very much a reflection yeah. of, uh, I know specifically in New York, the crime rates in the 80s were like, off the charts mm-hmm. murder-wise and all that. Yeah. So a lot of the movies from that time period uh, bit into this dichotomy of law and order versus criminals and chaos. Sure, yeah. This movie did kind of the same thing, but John Cusack was also there to kind of have the alternative take.
0: More liberal kind of approach. Yeah, to more
1: humane kind of way of looking at it.
0: Incarceration. Though what's so weird is that like in a lot of other ways, this movie is more conservative or at least like I think a lot has kind of like conservative themes or people that you in the conservative camp would be val- or would find valuable. Uh-huh. Like what? So like he's kind of like a normal like archetypal guy like coming to like coming home to hurt his wife mm. like after going to war, we've got to support those troops. He's like an inblemishable character like within the movie is just like a straight edge good guy among all these criminals no like moral gray areas mm-hmm. at all isn't a very believable character oh i, I wrote this down in my notes too like is a god-fearing man because there's like a part where his sidekick is like dying he's like a diabetic and he's dying because he doesn't have his insulin and he's telling uh telling Nicolas cage he's like all i can think about is that like, god doesn't exist like really kind of dark like deep shit and then
1: Nicolas cage and cures then, his atheism
0: by saying i'm gonna show you that god does exist
1: and then exploding <laughs> a helicopter or something
0: yeah. yeah does some action movie stuff
1: we haven't talked about his friend at all but he is like the most critical element of the plot that motivates Nicolas cage's actions
0: that's true in like, you pointed out a very selfish way, which I thought was really funny, because there's a part where all of those soldiers show up and they're in the shootout with the prisoners and Nicolas Cage is running through all of this chaos to get his friend some insulin, like while all of these soldiers are being slaughtered uh-huh. by the prisoners. And he just like doesn't care about that. He's like prioritizing his like friend's life over these like hundreds of people for yeah. like being being shot like right in front of that him. That was
1: weird because before that I kind of thought his motivations were like one, obviously to stay true to his friend and not leave him behind on this plane when he had the opportunity to leave. Um mm-hmm. and two, I thought his motivations were also just to put a stop to this this thing, like this revolt and to try to minimize damage and lives lost because I thought he was like a good person that was just interested in that as an outcome. Yeah. But then the scene that you're describing where it's just like an all-out fight between cops and robbers and convicts, mm-hmm. he's just ignoring all of that and all he cares about is saving his one friend. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't do a good enough job of setting up the relationship between those two at the beginning.
0: Yeah, maybe I mean, like, you started. said they were, you know, they were cellmates. Right. And maybe they had been cellmates, like, the entire time. Mm-hmm. So, I get that. I'm also watching Shawshank Redemption right now.
1: Uh-oh. So, like,
0: the whole, like, p- like bond you get in prison thing is kind of on my mind right now. Mm-hmm. You spend that much time with, like, one person in a small room for, like, years and years, you're going to have a, a pretty deep relationship.
1: Let's do this segment. We haven't done this one for the last couple of recordings Mm. Um, So was there anything you didn't like about the film? Any critiques?
0: I don't know if critique is the right word to use for this movie. I think, like, you have to enter into this movie, like, with a general acceptance of it being bad. If you wanted to, you could rip
1: it apart, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't take this movie seriously at all. Uh And I I hope no one else does. (laughs) But, yeah, like, I have no, like complex expectations from this movie so i love it for what it is which is fucking stupid
1: yeah overall i i like it for the most part the action sequences can get a little bit monotonous at times and the final Mm -hmm. scene of them in las vegas it it just turned it all up to 11. like the ending sequence of the movie is (laughs) the plane lands in the las vegas strip of all places and the Mm -hmm. police swarm the plane and and are busting everybody guns open and you think this is going to be the end of the movie
0: well we're at a good stopping point i have i have something to say about this yeah well it's like this scene is like in my memory and i just like kind of you know i've seen this movie a lot and i kind of just forgot about the whole scene that follows which is like and when the plane gets like busted and the cops and everybody shows up, it's what you would expect, right? It's like the end of a movie where they're like on a street and there's ambulances and like sirens and lights and everything. And like, you're like, all right, this is like the final act of this movie. Right. And then in this part, they steal like a fire truck. The prisoners steal a fire truck. There's a whole nother chase sequence that happens. And then they stop the fire truck. And then it's that whole like, scene that i just described again where it's like they're on a street and like the cops and the ambulances and everybody's just there yeah they have two of those kind of like final act scenes right
1: right ending and the the death of john malkovich unbelievable right mm-hmm. where he gets his head smashed by that thing
0: some kind of like junkyard compactor thing yeah
1: like i, I could only describe it by just imagining a guillotine except that it's like powered
0: like a bull like a blunt object and it's just a like blunt
1: things. like weight going up yeah. and down and John Malkovich's head conveniently lands right underneath it and gets smashed yeah and that's the end of the
0: movie and that's the end of the movie how would you score this one out of ten
1: I'd give it a, a neon now I feel bad I'm trying to renormalize I feel like this should be on another <laughs> scoring system than the other ones Okay, we're gonna get hate mail from the fans. Like, oh, you gave the master a six, but you you gave this one a seven. What are you, what are you trying to say?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because you said fans. Yeah, not for any reason. Like we have fans.
1: Oh yeah, we're huge in Malaysia.
0: But I wouldn't be surprised. So what's a what's a way that you could score like a Con Air movie? What's a dumb a dumb movie score? Can we have like a kind of a dual qualifier for like if this movie is like dumb and it's okay and. That would be nice dumb and it's not.
1: to break it up that you way. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This movie is certainly dumb and it and it's okay, so it's in that camp. So I'll Okay. I'll give it a um score of eight Nicolas Cage haircuts out of ten.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. I will raise that to nine vials of insulin out of ten.
1: <laughs> That's great. What do you think would enjoy this movie? If you had to, like, recommend this to any of your friends, what's your pitch well, for
0: it? Well, I already know someone who is, like, this movie's biggest fan, and you know him, too. Aaron. Shout out to Aaron Gunkel. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, if I had to pitch this to someone, I would be like, look, you got to know, like, there's a few things going on in this movie that's that's already weird. So Steve Buscemi is kind of like Hannibal Lecter he's in this movie dave Chappelle's in there nicholas cage is an action movie and it's or nicholas cage is an action hero this movie it feels a certain way about itself but it's pretty bad but i think you would enjoy it anyways yeah
1: yeah i think you nailed okay. it uh but just one off handed comment the the cops are so cool in this movie john cusack is like the coolest person i've ever seen
0: i mean he's like the only cool cop in this movie Yeah, think think about the other cops. (laughs) I'm primarily thinking of him. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: he's just like the archetype of of what a man should be in the '90s: calm, cool, collected. um, He's got kind of rise to the occasion.
0: He kind of reminds me of like like kind of a a beatnik like character in the '90s. Maybe it's just like that his hair is black and it's all slicked back. Yeah, yeah, and like some sort of visual association with that in the '90s.
1: He plays a lot of like cool characters. Like the one movie I want to watch with you, uh, Gross Point Blank. He has a very similar kind of aura of cool about him. It is very particular. Okay.
0: Anything else? We can. Um,
1: let's let's do the exercise of like picking our our picks for the next week.
0: Okay. I will put another star or a star by Akira, and I will put one by gross point blank because i'm feeling friendly Ooh! because you said you really want to watch that one
1: okay great i I will put one under i'm trying to think forward to like what would be good later on something that's very different than what we've watched before Mm -hmm. i think evil dead would be cool sort of like classic cult horror movie yeah
0: good choice i'm gonna
1: start putting stuff behind raising arizona just so we can get back to the cage Okay. And I will put, I'll just put one for Akira. And so we put those, put that data into the movie picker algorithm. Boop boop boop. Press boop, compute. Boop, boop, wait wait boop, no, wait for it. Boop 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 boop. Press compute.
0: Boop 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 boop. And the answer is.
1: Shuffling paper.
0: No. <laughs> Winner. <laughs>
1: Akira (laughs) Akira yeah alright so next week we're gonna watch Akira
0: congratulations Akira do you want us to
1: tell us a little bit about that movie Trevor that was one of
0: your picks shuffling paper Uh, I got you of course Akira in 1988 the Japanese government drops an atomic bomb on Tokyo after ESP experiments on children go awry are you describing the plot or
1: just like the background of the movie
0: the plot. Okay. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> Did you think I was just like doing that, like for memory?
1: No, I didn't think you were doing it for memory, but I thought you were just like reading like something on Wikipedia about like the history of the movie. Or
0: how, like, it made. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I see. Got it. In 2019, that's actually yeah, it's like now. Yeah, that's cool. In I'll 2019, like 31 years after the nuking of the city, Kanita, a bike gang leader, tries to save his friend. Tetsuo from a secret government project he battles anti-government activists greedy politicians irresponsible scientists and a powerful military leader to until Tetsuo's supernatural powers suddenly manifest a final battle is fought in Tokyo Olympiad exposing the experiment's secrets Ah, oh, cool so this is Dude, a this sounds so cool it sounds <laughs>
1: cool it did come out in the 1980s right yeah and then just for the for the listeners this is like an anime movie Apparently, Mm -hmm. like a very classic anime Japanese film. Yeah, very highly regarded. I hadn't heard about it before, but I'm excited.
0: Yeah, same. I've never seen it, but I've always considered it some kind of classic. Nice, nice.
1: And of course, we'll be uh, watching it with the original Japanese vocals and subtitles, right? With Like the hardcore anime watchers.
0: Is that what we're supposed to do? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. But I was just joking, though. We can do dubs if we oh, want okay. to.
0: Okay. <laughs> I was, I was like, I don't really want to. But do apparently, that. like, that's
1: the way. Like, the hardcore people that are really hardcore about Japanese anime, like, you're yeah. supposed to watch it with the original voices. Yeah. But I don't know. I, it- I don't know about you, but like Dragon Ball Z just wouldn't be DBZ without the Goku voice actor.
0: The the actors, like, who, and I think maybe it's just, like, a nostalgic thing because we grew up on those voices. But, like, the character of Goku is, like, very synonymous with uh, Sean Schimmel for me. Uh-huh. And same with, like, the, the guy who plays Vegeta. Is that
1: the, the name of the person? It's, like,
0: yeah. Because it's, like, the, like, you watch, like, the Japanese voice version of that show and you're just, like, none of the sounds right.
1: <sighs> yeah. No, I really yeah. don't like it i'm like this isn't mm-hmm. what my childhood is <laughs> do you remember uh this is uh completely out of nowhere but this reminded me of that nathan for you scene uh this is a quick throwaway but nathan for you was trying to make a service for that when your pet died that you can make like a video of your pet with like a voiceover <laughs> so the pets like um like oh i died i'm in heaven yeah. now um i'm very happy now yeah <laughs> they had like a an Asian guy do the voiceover.
0: It's really, like, bad. Yeah. The the sound of it.
1: I can't do it. Kind of
0: but unintelligible. I would recommend not doing and it. And then
1: the kid is just, like, so <laughs> shocked. He's like, why does he yeah. sound like that? <laughs> That's how I feel when, like, I listen to the original dub of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> because they have it uh, on Hulu. Right. Dragon, maybe Dragon Ball, but I wanted to watch it, but they only have the Japanese dub on it they don't have the English one available so Mm -hmm. I gave up right away I'm like I don't want to do this
0: I've got like the the legit like English versions I think
1: I do too I think you probably gave it to me but
0: I remember there was like a there's like a semester or something like when we lived in Oliver where you were just like running through all of the the dragon balls Mm -hmm. because that was like right after that I, I gave you that like collection yeah
1: that was a good time
0: and uh, David Batchelor was also really into Dragon Ball Z. Uh-huh. Kind of like a lifer fan. So everyone was just kind of like riding a Dragon Ball Z wave like for a year in college.
1: I still have really fond memories of that show. Goku was a very good role model in my life.
0: I want to go through it again. That's just like a whole like season of our podcast. Just like every single Dragon Ball Z.
1: Episode I by lo- episode.
0: I really, I really love how like our episode our podcast doesn't really subscribe to any one lane everything we're watching is just random and i think it would make really good performance art if just like in the middle of our podcast we just watch every single episode of dragon ball z with no explanation of like pivoting like we just do it but like like it's normal
1: like consistently like every single week it's another episode of dragon ball Ball (laughs)
0: yeah and we don't acknowledge it at all that that's all all we're watching.
1: I mean, one episode a week, and there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes. We just do this for four uninterrupted uninterrupted years, <laughs> and then at the at the end of that, we're like, after we get Dragon Ball GT, we're like, um, and next week we're gonna watch <laughs> Point Break.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> a prank for are ha- in the I- making. I uh, lack the discipline to pull anything like that off, yeah. but. That's a really cool idea.
1: Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by Double U.
0: Look him up on Instagram at underscore the word double and two U's.
1: Editing this week was graciously done by Trevor Mowry.
0: Bet your ass it was. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Tweet us at at pod on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next week. This week, Special thanks to Andy White.
1: I'm the COVID cowboy. Aaron Gunkel.
0: He was like pretty, pretty built. If you wind the clock back to like his early work, like he's a small guy. Grace Fawcett. I don't know if I can take another another one of these types of movies. Stacey Kim. A lot of action, ridiculous action. And Barack Obama. Now I have to say that I've seen this show before and some of the episodes have probably been a little bit better than this.
1: Yeah, I, I think I might need a practice round on the retelling Riley's Twitter handle. Can okay, write it here. Look him up, and then what is the name look,
0: of his Twitter handle? You got it right.
1: Underscore double U.
0: Underscore the word double, and then two U's after that. Look him up. Uh, look him up on Instagram at underscore double. Ugh, oh my God. <laughs> Our music is by W.
1: Look him up on Twitter with hashtag, um, at.
0: Nope. Not Twitter. Handle. Instagram. Ah shit. Not Twitter.
1: Look him up at at underscore the word double, double U on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely sending this to Riley. <laughs> well, he's the
1: one with this really obscure name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you done?
1: Yeah, with that line.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>